0: Hello, and welcome to the Folk Music Podcast. My name is Anders, and today's guests are Ann-Björg Lien and Katrine McDonald. These two women have been amongst the most interesting fiddlers on the folk music scene for more than three decades now, known for their individual work, as well as for their collaboration in the band String Sisters. Now, I was fortunate enough to be able to record this podcast in real life, which is always the best way to do it. I got to speak with Amberg and Katrina after a long day of rehearsals at the Norwegian National Folk Music Venue Riksen, and um, I have to say I really enjoyed this conversation. These two women are just a wealth of wisdom and inspiration. Um, we speak about um, their long history together as friends and musical colleagues, in the link between Shetland and Norway, uh, and. Uh, a great part of this conversation revolves around the topic of um, gender representation and the relationship between men and women in the folk music scene. Uh, and this is obviously a very hot topic these days for good reasons. Uh, but it was really interesting to get the perspective of Amberg and Katrina since they've been professional musicians in the folk music scene for more than three decades now. And um, they have uh, experienced these challenges that women are facing in the scene firsthand over a long period of time so i learned a lot from this conversation and i'm pretty sure that you will find it valuable as well so uh, without further ado here is my conversation with Lien and Katrina MacDonald Katrina MacDonald and Lien, welcome to the show thank you Hi really happy that you guys uh, agreed to do this. I know it's been a long day for you.
1: Yes, we have been rehearsing for two days now at uh, Riksson, and uh, it's a fantastic time.
0: Yeah, Riksson is um, Norway's national venue for uh, folk music and traditional music. Um, Have you played there before, Katrina?
2: Yeah, I've played here several times before. Um, I always just love it. I mean, just the very fact of there's a house that is valuing traditional music in that kind of way it's really inspiring. Yeah, you know yeah we're very lucky to have this
0: place Mm -hmm. for sure Um, but uh, tell me what's the story behind this concert you're playing tomorrow
1: well uh, I was uh, so lucky to be asked to have like to be like what do they call it artist in residence (laughs) or something (laughs) (laughs) and uh, then you can choose three projects, three concerts, and uh, it's wonderful. And uh, uh, one of them was uh, a wish to to have a friend meeting with Katrina and me and just bring excellent musicians uh, with us. Just really dive into this long friendship that we've had for so many years. And I uh, Uh, show and tell the strong story and strong connection between Norway and Shetland.
0: Mm, Great. And you guys obviously go way back.
1: Yeah,
2: so um, we've known each other since we were just in our early teens. And um, I came for the first time on tour. It was my first ever trip away from Shetland with my fiddle, um, with my teacher, who's a fantastic fiddle player called Tom Anderson, And um, he took a group of young kids we were at that point. We'd just been formed into a kind of an official group called the Shetland's Young Heritage. We were going to go and play our own tunes um, and just show people I suppose what the young people of Shetland were doing. And so
0: did you visit several countries or was it just so Norway? Just
2: Norway on that tour. It was 83, I think. Was it? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so we came over and it was actually Tom had sparked up a friendship with um, Knut and Hauk Buen oh
0: nice
2: yeah so they had met each other and really had a really deep connection and they're like
0: very famous Norwegian hardanger fiddlers
2: yes absolutely some of the best Mm. of course and um so as part of that friendship then they had invited Tom to take our group over to Norway and we were we went on a very big tour. We played in Grieghallen and we played in all the beautiful, beautiful halls in small villages and in the big cities and
0: must have been it, a great experience. Though.
2: Oh, it was just I mean you can only imagine for a thirteen year old it was just so amazing. But anyway, one of uh, the places we played was in Molloy on the west coast because Molloy is twinned with my my uh, town of Lerwick ah. where I come from in Shetland. Of course, that goes back to the Second World War connections with the Shetland bus. Mm. And um, we played in uh, Olesun. And when I walked into this hall, there was this fantastic um, girl playing the fiddle just like crazy good um, up on stage and of course that was Anberg and um, it was your father wasn't it that invited us the next day to come to your house yeah
1: because my father uh, uh, run then a a, a Spelmanslag that we say in Norway like a group uh, of young kids called Måltrosten Spelmanslag yeah and uh, he had heard that uh, Tom was coming over and the Young Heritage and uh, uh, he just invited them to our house, and uh, uh, we were just meeting, get, getting some new friends from Shetland that we have haven't heard about before, and and immediately felt uh, the connection and uh, and built really strong friendships. So those kind of meetings are really important mm. and uh, of huge value.
0: Which maybe you kind of met through the music in a way, because I suppose being so young, you, maybe, you didn't, maybe you didn't speak English that well. At not at all. We, right? so we no. couldn't speak no. to
2: each other. We, we were, and of course, the adults, they were so clever. They just said, in the room, off you go, take your instruments and go. And we're, they, they didn't sit with us, which was so important. Huh. And therefore, we had to find a way to spend the time together and we couldn't chat together at that point. Mm. So it was, we just played and played and taught each other tunes. And oh, I mean, really it was nice. such yeah. a strong meeting. Um, and I just think very clever from the, the adults. I think they could see that they, we we just needed to be left. And, I mean, I don't know, Ambjerg for you, but, you know, in my tradition, my my group of friends that I was playing with is one of the first uh, generations of children who played this music. There yeah. was a kind of a broke, slight break in the tradition. So Tom, and, Tom um,
0: Anderson was kind of the, um, the person bringing... Yes, the link between the old and the new Absolutely. generation.
2: Absolutely, he was with his teaching that he was doing, and so you know I didn't have a lot of other people that I knew that was my age that played, just apart from the people in my group. So to go and see, whoa, in Norway they're doing the same thing, and mm. there's a group of people there, and um, and then of course Tom and your father uh, Jan, they
1: they kept in contact. Mm. They they started a, a kind of a writing friendship. Yeah, and uh, that was the same with Moltrosen as well. We haven't met that many others at that uh, time, that age. So, and this one was uh, a group from another country, you know, so it was really a a huge uh, meeting. And also the special uh, about it was that it was a lot of uh, us that were um, uh, girls. Yeah. So that was the first kind of meeting with another group with a lot of girls in it. Mm. And we also had, we had uh, luckily some boys with us, but uh, mostly girls. So that was uh, also a kind of a new experience that it was, oh, so many girls in the group and uh, uh, felt, you know, connected in that too.
0: Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, which kind of brings us sort of to the next thing that I would like to talk about, uh, being the band String Sisters. Uh, but... We were obviously skipping a good few years there. Did you keep in touch between 1983 and, and the forming of the group?
1: Yes, we did. And we had uh, uh, a strong connection all the way and uh, met both in the UK and, uh, and in Shetland and in Norway uh, and uh, at festivals, and also had our own kind of gigs around. So um, it really meant something special. Mm. And I think from, like, the UK perspective,
2: I mean, it really, um, Amberg, when she came over to play with me, there was a group of uh, a couple of other people that were coming over to play, people like um, the man that we we're playing with tonight in our concert, Ian Carr. Mm. He was involved in a group called Swap mm. at the similar kind of time in the 1990s. So it was kind of two Swedish players and two English players. Myself and Amberg were there. People like Vessen from Sweden were coming over. Yeah. But before that, nobody had ever come across um, Scandinavian music. It oh. was really at that very beginning um stage of mm. um people I mean nowadays everybody loves it and you know it's they're very aware of how rich the music is over here. But at that time it really was you could you could see people almost like, "Whoa, this is so kind of rich and not what we're used to, but we no. just love it." But you still know?
0: familiar in a way, like yes. you can. There's yep. you can hear the connection mm-hmm. between the music because it's not that different. No, well, obviously it's different, but it's just a. Uh, it's a familiarity. It's, it's, yeah, mm. it's just some yeah. uh, body of water <laughs> separating. Yeah, well, that the two yeah. yeah,
1: good picture. And and also the the special about that time was that to collaborate over the borders mm-hmm. was also uh in the very beginning of that uh, oh, time So to have uh, to work with musicians from other countries yeah was kind of a really growing at that time yeah
2: and it was lovely for us because it was never a kind of an invented thing you know I think that's been the the strongest thing I and mean, we obviously have worked professionally for thirty five odd years or more at this point. And, um, you know, you just kind of, you, sometimes your projects are kind of constructed. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And you, you want to play with this person and that person. But Ambjörg and I, it, it feels like family, you know. Yeah. It really is. It's never been about kind of gigs or professional or whatever. It's kind of, can we play? Mm.
1: Can we get together? Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, and that is very strange uh, and, and strong that uh, you meet someone and you just uh, connect and, yeah. uh, and the music, and that also the, uh, the power of music, that it comes from somewhere. And uh, it's a reason why we play. It's a reason why you're a musician. It's because it's part of you, and you need it. I mm. think it's a mm-hmm. need. And it's also uh, a gift, I would say, to, to have that channel.
0: Really?
1: To uh, communicate uh, both to yourself and to an audience through art. Mm. I think it's very valuable. And um, when, you, when you start with a friendship... And then the music is just always connected. And it's an added extra. Mm. It's just a fantastic
2: yeah, yeah place to meet um and things. But yeah, so we have worked, you know, all, all through the time, through the 80s, 90s, up until kind of 2000 is when String Sisters exactly. started. Yeah.
0: And I mean, sorry, I just find myself, as I get older, I see how valuable these like long-term musical re- relationships really mm-hmm. are. Like... It takes time to get to really get to know a person, both as a person but also as a musician. And like uh, I find that um, the music gets better the, the longer you kind of stay together. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of like a romantic relationship in a way. It's just uh, mm. it has many of the, sim- the similar um, mm. uh, similar aspects to it.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, it is a relationship. It can yeah. also
0: be a, yeah. I mean, it can be hard to like maintain it, or especially as a band, like mm-hmm. people falling out and mm-hmm. or moving to different cities, and it's like it's there's many things a player.
2: Yeah, but I do think I mean this is what I would say from my point of view with Ambiorg is it's like because we met so early, it's it's almost like we are part of each other's musical DNA. You know, it's not like we had become whoever we were going to be. Do you know what I mean? And then we met each other. Yeah. You know, it's our very elemental kind of beginning years we spent kind of working it out kind of together and separately. And so I think, you know, the, we sometimes when we, we play some of these tunes, it's like, oh, we're going right back to that first day. You know, <laughs> the, the polkas from, you know, Shetland, these little tiny tunes that we played and things like that. It's just, you know, it's, you don't always have that... Kind of history, and that's no. the thing that that really is so special. I mm. think about certainly our time together.
0: Mm. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, so let's uh, talk about String Sisters then, uh, which is a um, sort of all like high-profile f- uh, female fiddlers from two thousand. Uh, that that's when it got started yeah. mm-hmm. um, as sort of. Um, project by Celtic Connection? Is that how, yeah. how it...
2: Mm-hmm. So basically it started because the head of, uh, well I kind of uh, decided that I would take the idea to Celtic Connections. And, and to... how did you get the idea? So I just, it had come out of a realisation that I was playing um, professionally in a band called Blazing Fiddles. Um Fantastic band, still on the go and things like that. But I was the one woman in the band of uh, it's a fairly big band as well, isn't it? really big band. Mm. Yeah, um, wonderful male peers and things like that. But what tended to happen at that point is is that festivals, if they had, you know, one of us, one of the string sisters was at it, we were ticking a box for that festival. It was like, okay, Katrina's here with the blazing fiddles. Okay, you know, female fiddler. So box female ticked. fiddler uh-huh. box ticked. Okay. You know, so we wouldn't have. Katrina Amburgey, Maraid, Liz Carroll—you know that at that point in time was it was just not going to happen. And I, no. I'm not saying it was a, a you know a way to keep women out. It was just historically the way things were seen, you know, um, at that time. So I was getting so frustrated because I knew these women were my mm. inspirations, the role models, Liz and uh, Liz Carroll and Maraid Nawawi. I mean, for our generation, are. You know, goddesses, you know, Mm. and but you never got the chance to play with them at festivals because. They played. You know, a they were festival. playing in a different oh, that's festival. Very yeah. <laughs> so then I had this idea. I think it's time to get these women together. And I mean, we didn't want to be an only kind of female band. You know, we have our string misters, as they as they like to call themselves, um, a fabulous kind of four piece that are so intrinsic to the whole thing. But the the fiddle lineup are all all women
0: yeah. players. Yeah. So, so who was in the original uh, fiddle lineup?
2: So. The, well, the original one, we only have one person who's um, yeah. kind of so changed. Yeah, so the only one. Emma, Emma. Like, yeah. Although she's been there for yeah. for so long now that,
1: you know, it's... But Natalie McMaster was in yeah. the first kind of show. Yeah. 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 From, yeah. from and, Cape Town. Uh, but the last uh, decades, it has been the same. Yeah. yeah. So we landed. Yeah. It was kind of a, a, not a testing project, but it was like we were put together and... And uh, all of us just wanted to do this again Mm -hmm. because of this kind of not idea of being women, but just we had the same story as women Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. being the only woman in a male's band or being the only woman uh, on the road uh, and um, to meet others from other countries that had the same experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Was uh, and uh, so the the story behind us were quite similar, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, but as Katrina said, the the music uh, was so inspiring, and you could be nerdy, you could go into oh, how do you do the bowing thing there? <laughs> yeah. What's the detail? The third um, finger, mm-hmm. three, third string there, and uh, how do you do ornamentation? How do you compose? Uh, we just fans of each other and Mm. uh, and really into into technique and musical different styles Mm. and uh, so it was really i i i'm learning a lot from that project of Mm -hmm. other cultures and and uh, the connections and kind of widening up my own perspective which Mm. is very important
0: sure and uh, like before the premiere at Celtic Connection did you, how much time did you have to like, practice and how did you work up to that gig?
2: Yeah, so it was a real kind of um, baptism of fire. I mean, I think we had a week. I mean, they did yeah. give us, because it's a big, big band to put together. And, you know, the very first thing, everybody came with their set of tunes and we we did some kind of sharing of material before we got there but it was night and day I mean it really felt like we were you know a juggernaut that was just you know yeah. starting to go and we were by the time we hit the stage I mean it has to say it was one of the most exciting gigs of my lifetime oh, it was fantastic! Was that first gig mm. that was there because you were so well it was such a celebration because you know it really it wasn't it hadn't been seen really no. before it hadn't been heard before in that kind of way and um the audience was ready for it yeah. too. i think at that stage
0: so on that note like uh I've, well it's obviously like uh, very much a hot topic these days the whole thing with uh gender representation mm-hmm. and equality and in all walks of life but also in in the music industry and and in the folk music scene um, and I find that these days it, it seems like things are getting more diverse by the day even though it's you know it's it, we, all, we all wish it would go faster yes. in always in every way um, but um, like can you just how, how was it like in the early 90s establishing yourself as, um, as like a female fiddler you you already alluded to like the feeling of being the, the sole uh, woman or girl in the band mm-hmm. project Um is that something you were like thinking about a lot or was it just the way it was?
1: Uh, it, was uh, it was how it was because we were few women at that time and uh, uh, most of them were men and uh, uh, I didn't think about being a woman. No. Uh, I, because no, I, well, I don't think you did either no. because that's that was our job and And it was uh, hard work as a musician, Mm -hmm. as it is today. Uh, Today we need more boys because there's a lot of women out there now. (laughs) Yeah, well... (laughs) So I think it's uh, a fantastic time now where uh, musicians are both men and and women and we don't think about being men or women. Uh, It's the music that is in the center. So the focus on the, the female thing at that time came from the media, I would say you know, uh, that you were first woman and then you were a fiddle player. Mm.
0: But is that, yeah, was that like troublesome f- for you, for example? Like, did you feel like you had to fit in to a certain role that the media or the industry kind of created for you or something?
1: N- no, uh, I think we were both lucky that we could do what we wanted to do. Uh, but uh, very often... In the media, they talked a lot about us being women yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and less about the music, yeah, so that could be uh, kind of surprisingly why why is that an issue because uh, I think we both were really lucky working with really good musicians, mm-hmm. men mm-hmm. doing fantastic music and uh, and then the music was in the center, mm. and when uh, that sometimes came in the media. Uh, it was uh, a big focus on being a woman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, so I think it's because we have been surrounded by uh, good men, mm-hmm. good musicians. Uh, we haven't felt like being a woman. No. You know, uh, in mm. in uh, when we've been at work. I mean, what I would say from
2: my kind of perspective of over in UK. Um, was that, uh, totally agree with you, that, you know, the fact that you were kind of a woman, because obviously I was playing amongst a, a band of girls when I was growing up, it always just kind of felt kind of normal. I must admit, um, you in the 1990s, I think we need to kind of have a review of um, women who sing and women who play in my culture. Because, Sorry, what do you mean? So really, there are a lot of women that were very, very visible in traditional music of Britain, Ireland and Scotland, but they were singing. Yeah, they so were like, singers.
0: So like Marie in Altan and e- Kathy Jordan in Dervish. And yeah, what you mean? yeah.
2: And, and a lot older people than them, but mm-hmm. you know, the the, the females that you would, you would know about would be singers. Yeah. What changed was, is that you have women who are instrumentalists and I mean, I spent a lot of my early career um, with people who wanted to book me that were like, does she not sing, you know, can she do a few songs, you know, and there was a very annoying part of that, you know, which was no, I play the fiddle. Yeah, and that is what I do. And that is my voice. Do you know what I mean? And I can entertain you hopefully for the evening, you know, Um, but there was this kind of expectation, I think that women would either have to put in a few songs. And I know that from a lot of my female friends that felt as though it was never enough just to be come and play your instrument and I think that has changed yeah. now no, I think you you're know right to... um, I think well the the role models that came before us and then our generation with some very strong uh, female instrumentalists you know you have to see people doing it in order to think you can Yeah. do it yourself
0: and like obviously you didn't see many people like or many other women no. playing the fiddle in a band, like no. was there any like in? Did you have any like um, people you could uh, identify with in the generation that came before you?
1: Oh yes, I had. Uh, uh, in Norway,
0: we didn't really have the tradition with bands in the same way as they did in. Mm-hmm. In, in, mm-hmm. Uh,
1: UK in Norway, then. we uh, at my time uh, we had Susanne Lunng. Mm-hmm. We were at the same time. So, uh, And before us, we had Håndalstausen uh, and uh, within folk music. So there were absolutely groups. And, uh, and, uh, but with band and stuff, it was maybe uh, not that many. Uh, and uh, But in the t- traditional, the Hartanga fiddle playing, there were absolutely women before us, like Christiane Lund, uh, yeah. which uh, the fiddle I am using now, Ula uh, Ge, Helland fiddle from 1898, mm. uh, was her youth fiddle. And uh, I remember when I got that as a stipendium, I think that was in the '90s too. Um, that meant a lot to me, that it was actually owned by Christiana, which then was, uh, who was one of the few Harjanga fiddle female players before me. Mm. And she was uh, excellent player, of course, and uh, a strong woman, and was uh, uh, very often a judge and the competitions, and she had the kind of respect as a female fiddler, Mm. and that was uh, many decades before my time. So, we just, uh, from my uh, perspective, it was these kind of few names that we could lean on or be inspired by or together with. but I think at that time, uh, going in with a band, doing kind of contemporary folk music was uh, not that much done in uh, in Norway. Mm-hmm. I think you guys in the UK were we earlier out had, had and revival, also yeah. the rest of the Nordic countries. So uh, I, my friend friendship uh, town uh, from Ålesund is Västerås in Sweden. Mm-hmm and uh, I was a player of uh, the fiddler of a dance group in Ålesund and we went often to Västerås in Sweden and that's where I met uh, Roger Tåldröd, which is one of uh, the musicians I've been working my whole life with fantastic guitar player from Sweden and uh, I think I was maybe in my teenagers and uh, maybe 13, 14, first time I went over and experienced to play hardanga fiddle together with a guitar Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's actually possible you know, it's yes. not only uh, made for uh, like a solo, traditional, uh, he could do anything. <coughs> so it was, uh, I think the uh, the early experience of that the field is huger than uh, we have at home. Mm. And it's a lot of jewels out there. Uh, if you just dare to cross the country or dare to meet people and, uh, and meet the cultures, I think... Um, I think the early experience of that uh, gave the strength and the the, um, the strength to kind of believe in what you're doing as a woman yeah and also as a fiddler and and doing what your heart uh, your own heart wanted to do uh and not what the others wanted you to do yeah
0: and uh, you were also a pioneer in in many ways like in the 90s with like as you say, we didn't have the, the same tradition with bands as they did in the, our neighboring countries and and also you being like a, a young female fiddler, like yeah, uh, you, know, you must have had a really uh, a lot of faith in yourself and in like the music that you want wanted to to share. And uh.
1: well, I think it's quite simple. Uh, as we started this conversation with, I mean, I grew up with parents that listened to Hartunga fiddle music from when I was born. Uh, so I was used to uh, listening to hardanger fiddle music at home and and uh, my parents said when I was 5 years old I had one wish and that was to learn to play the hardanger. So I think it's something that you just connect to. You don't think. Mm. It connects to you and uh, this is how I breathe. Yeah. You know, and uh, and from then uh, you meet uh, good friends and uh, colleagues, and it has to be said, I mean, it was a lot of critic at that time, and we both have had that, but... Um,
0: a critic for like, uh, doing folk music in new in ways? Movies. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and don't... Uh, Quite predictable. Uh. <laughs> oh, <yeah>.
1: yes. <laughs> but but, uh, but the, the strange thing, or it's not strange at all, is that the, the really good male hardongafield players for in, in, uh, in my country here was never saying one bad word. It no. was the, it was the people around them mm-hmm. so so that's uh, so for my sake I got really support from the ones that uh, was my idols mm. uh, which were men they were all mm-hmm. men uh, at that time uh, and they kind of supported me when there was mm-hmm. uh, the wind was really blowing
0: yeah yeah so I suppose that must have been valuable
1: yeah and then that is then then you just uh, uh, but I think, again, the music is the reason why uh, uh, why we know that this is the right thing to do, mm. because mm. it's the experience, the connection to the actually music and the instrument that is uh, far more deeper than uh, what people think. Of course, it's challenging to, to be in the storm, but it is, at the end of the day, you know that it's, too late to do something else, yeah. <laughs> you know, because you're connected to it, because it's such a deep love to in in, in what you're doing. Sure. And, and I think also when I'm teaching uh, today, uh, it's a very important question, like, why do you do music? Mm. Because uh, along a, a lot of uh, musicians today, no matter style, I think, is very following the music industry and uh, have very short time in kind of being, uh, get experience or just play and the experience of communicating with an audience uh, and really fast want to make your record and out tour uh, doing tours and, and uh, get your name out there. And yeah. this is not what it's uh, about, you yeah. know. That will come as a result of your deep love to why you have to be a musician because it's hard work.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the industry has changed so much over the time mm-hmm. that, that that you've been part of it, obviously. So I was just going to say, like, I think it's really interesting to reflect over this whole role model thing because I, I mean, I, I know that I have a potential blind spot in that I'm like a white man. And like most of the people that I've aspired or looked up to either in the jazz scene or the folk scene, they've been looking like mm-hmm. me, basically. Uh, And also, like, most lead actors in Hollywood films and stuff were also, like, me. Mm -hmm. So, uh, um, yeah, I think it's easy for uh, sometimes to, like, um, to miss that, to not really see how other people who are in the minority. Um, So, I think that's something everyone should aspire to, like... uh,
2: And I think it's important in today's terms, I mean, I'm actually an academic as well as a player the same as Amberg, and my kind of studies are looking at the way women's histories have been told. Mm. And so really, I mean, that's very fantastic that you've identified that you frame your world in a white male way. But, um, but and, it's and not something hist- I,
0: I'm, I've been aware of until recently, no, you know of course, Alina? of
2: course. But then the moment your eyes are open to that, that you realise that history has been told through that frame. And so now is the time where we can get into the diverse communities, you know, and myself you know going into my own tradition that to all intents and purposes i was told that there was only one woman that played before my generation a woman in the 1920s yeah. i could never get my head around that i was thinking there has to have been somebody else that played of course, of course when you go to look and you go into archives then you find you know there were there were ways that you had to Some things you had to have, like a dad who played or a household that allowed you to have the time to play, you know, and all those kind of things that women uh, had that perhaps some men didn't have um, to kind of worry about. But by then filling in those other histories, those diverse histories, I think then we're going to be in a much stronger position to kind of go forward. Yeah. Yeah. So that we have a bigger perspective um, than what we've had Maybe in the past, because then what happens is we 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 never go off the the script. The script keeps going. So boys are elevated, women you know play fiddle until they have children, and then they go away. You know, etc. etc. Those Sorry. are those are old stories, but they're fact and they're yeah. historical facts. So um, you know, if we're going to change it, we need to recover those old histories, mm. understand the big big whole complete picture and then move forward you know and make the changes that need to be made so you know why are there less women maybe in some cultures playing where where are they being put off somewhere yeah. along the system somebody has kind of gone oh, i am not going to do that do you know what i mean so or,
0: so what do you think is like the main uh, issues these days in the scene
2: I mean, from, I can talk from the kind of UK perspective. I mean, there are so many issues around, you know, what happens if you get children, Yeah. you know? I mean, it's the classic disappearing act is what we would call it, you know, that you have people who play on exactly the same level as their peers but at some point in time somebody has to stay home and look after the children yeah. and this festival scenes maybe do not have creches they don't have nurseries you know there are practical things there mm, you know exactly um, that would make uh, the scene happen and if we're going to start looking at gender Balance in festival lineups. Um, I mean, it wasn't too long ago in Scotland and England and Ireland that you know nobody gasped when there were no women on the on the
3: no,
0: lineups. So Whereas that, nowadays,
2: I think people yeah. are thinking now. So we then we have to change some of the environment.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's interesting. Like like um, like what you said earlier about the being uh, so many girls and young women playing these days, and maybe not so many boys anymore. It seems. Um, that's my impression as well, but it seems like, as you said, uh, Katrina, once you get to a certain level, mm-hmm. uh, if it's age, or if it's like a level of, of, prof- of professional, mm-hmm. then the, the balance kind of tips, yep. the other way again, and like, as you said about the festivals, I'm actually a part of a festival, organizing a festival as well, and we're obviously very aware of, of the gender representation, in the yeah. festival, and it, it's surprisingly hard, actually, even in the Norwegian scene, which I suppose must be, one of the most, diverse scenes in -hmm. the world. Uh, It's surprisingly hard to to get the balance right. Mm -hmm.
2: It's going to take time. But that's the thing. It's not instant. This is going to take 10, 15 years. But the moment you start putting in that awareness of gender balance, then you have these young people that are 10. Now, the young 10-year-old girls that go, whoa, I will be able to do that. Do you know what I mean? They're not kind of editing themselves out of a story that looks like, well, what's the point? Because when I get to that level, there are nobody like me there. No. So it's it's not an instant thing,
0: but... It's kind of the chicken and the egg kind of thing, yeah. like uh, you need more.
1: Yeah, it's just, okay. a, as Katrina says, a process, hmm. awareness process. So, so if you kind of put that on the table uh, as a thing you have to be aware of uh, and... Uh, and, and uh, kind of plan a festival or plan the logistic around that you can actually bring your kid or uh, whatever the needs are for mm. a woman. Uh, it will slowly change. Definitely. So then it's only time that is working mm-hmm. towards that goal.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. it seems like it's going in the right direction anyway.
1: I think it is. Too slowly, of course. Yeah, but. <laughs> yes. But you can also <laughs> see we'll that in down. in other musical styles as well. It's not only folk music no. No. that uh, the girls are now coming, uh, you know, playing different instruments and and also in the. I mean, they are female composers. they are kind of band leaders. Uh, they arrange music, mm-hmm. uh, which has been really a male field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so it is. Um, uh, kind of awakening on that level too. The trust that a woman can be a, a pilot, fly a plane. Yeah. Yeah. So you kind of, you have thousands of those examples. Like, oh my God, can 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 a woman fly a plane? Yeah. <laughs> yeah it,
0: it's, it seems like it's like that with almost every of these professions. Like once there's a few really visible women starting to do it, like then the flop gates are open and like yeah. all of a sudden it's, yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman. Like we still say "sound guy," like many, uh-huh. m- which is. <laughs> Like there's still things like that.
2: Oh yes, the gendered language. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many times this year I've had Shit- Katrina McDonald, the Shetland Master, or the Shetland Maestro, and yeah. you just like, oh my goodness. I mean, it's very nice mm-hmm. to have a compliment, but we don't have the female version. You know, the the Shetland fiddle playing mistress yeah. doesn't have <laughs> no, the same sound, right. does no, it? There's a difference. So <laughs> we have, um, Richard, yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> so, we, you know, it's interesting when you look at language, you know, yeah. how much of that yeah, yeah, really, is
0: historically really inter- made. And it's yeah, very unconvenient that, like, many job descriptions are gender-specific because, yeah, that's the way it is, so mm-hmm. like...
1: Yeah. But the thing uh, also to be aware of then, when you go into this kind of gender discussion and uh, uh, put kind of percentage numbers on how many women there have to be in everything, then it 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 can kind of um fold the, the wrong way uh because then it's uh, it should be quality that kind of decide if the woman should be there but then again in 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 the bottom of that the women had to be understood uh, uh, with their qualities at the mm. same as men but um I'm a little bit uh from my personal perspective uh against a kind of uh uh, it has to be fifty percent women and fifty percent men, um, and not talking about quality, no. because again we're back to the the first discussion here that um, uh, the the respect is in the music and not in if you're a woman or man. It is the the story you tell through the art, mm. uh, and uh, and hopefully the media also will write about the music and not uh, us being f- females because um, that is actually not a compliment in many ways. Mm. You know what I mean? I know what you mean, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, so it's a balance between being aware of it and uh, and put kind of ru- rules into festivals or whatever um, uh, without kind of focusing on, on the quality of that.
0: I, I suppose the goal, from my perspective, must be that the whole gender... Thing that we don't need to think about it anymore. Yeah. Like today, like we we will frown if there's not female, uh, if if there's no female players in the festival lineup, we'll we will notice, right? Because mm-hmm. that's odd. And also, if there's only females yeah. in the lineup, we'll think hmm, it's only females. Like we yeah, will notice, absolutely. but 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 yeah. the the goal should be like it's just persons, mm. people yeah, playing absolutely. music. Like yeah. like uh, we, we yeah. don't we don't bother with which hair color people in the lineup has like yeah. it, it, it's not a perfect comparison but mm. some people I made the um the comparison that, that should be like uh, the goal like mm-hmm. you should care <laughs> You you shouldn't care more about a person's gender or skin Mm -hmm. color or sexual orientation Mm -hmm. than their uh, hair color. You know what I mean?
2: Absolutely. Mm. I mean, I have slightly kind of different views on that. And I was really in that kind of, we call it meritocracy. So you should get the gig if you're good enough, that kind of idea, whether you're a man or a woman. And I I really. So that's your view? No, no, no. No. That's that's kind of used to be my view. I was kind of, because that's the way we were brought up. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You jostle and you're there with your, and you know, you get the gig because hopefully you're good enough but maybe the playing field
0: isn't really level
2: yeah i i've come around on that i'm actually a really big fan of quotas because i want things to start happening Mm. quickly yeah and if we keep this system of uh, and actually, as women, kind of feeling as though we have to fight harder to get those spots. I don't think that's where it should be. I think really we need to make sure the festivals are going. You know, why can we not find ten women to to make match the other ten guys that are on this festival? Because we don't have the ten small ten-year-old girls getting what they need. No, Do you know what I mean? No. So over, I think the next ten years, we can stop thinking about that. There will be quality. There mm. is quality. I mean, out of there, it's, there are many, many women that could be filling festival slots. Mm. But it's almost like unless we make th- an intervention, you know, and that's what the quota thing is, we can keep doing the same thing over and over again, you know. Um, and I I really,
1: I can't wait that long. No. <laughs> no, but I, I totally agree with you. And, and that's part of, of the awareness process. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a kind yeah, of a tool is. for starting that process. Yeah. yeah. Which so. is good. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, when when that awareness is done i think we should yes for my sake uh, or yeah, my me view, too yeah, yeah i think so yeah, then you should leave it and just as you say too just to focus on on the the music and not the hair color or the skin mm-hmm. color or, yeah yeah and and that will naturally happen when the awareness is there mm-hmm. yeah let's,
0: let's hope so
2: yeah. Okay. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. <laughs> Next topic.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to keep you all night. We've already spent more time than I planned. But uh, just quickly about the link between Shetland and Norway, music-wise. Uh, like, for, let's start. What, what does Norway mean to a, to a Shetland? Okay. Person.
2: So Norway is obviously our ancient. Um, kind of motherland, or you know, Scandinavia, we used to Denmark. Own the place, yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely, all those kind of <laughs> things. Uh, and there are those very ancient kind of uh, connections. They are, they are, they're everywhere in Shetland. If you go there, are, it looks like, it sounds like it's Norwegian. You know, we have all the names of places, Ladwick, You know, all mm. the um, place names, etc. But um, there is some interesting things about that kind of... I mean, I feel an affinity when Ambjörg and I play together because in Shetland style, we have double stringing, you know, we play two strings together. We don't always play kind of diatonic tunes. We have modal tunes and things like that. So there are those kind of things. But there is a little bit of contemporary myth-making that goes around it. And Mm -hmm. I do think that is important to understand that we have to... um, Not just think that we are absolutely, you know, connected. You know, there was a big uh, Viking revival in the eighteen hundreds, where Viking revival. So, so Viking revivalists, so Victorian uh, people in England and in Scotland, fell in love with this idea of the old Norse, kind of romantic uh, thing. The romantic. Thing. so in my place we have a festival called Up Pelya, which has been going on since the very beginning of the 20th century in my town there's no women allowed in it you know it's very much conventions what? around oh yes oh don't get me started <laughs> on that anyway yeah but um, yeah it's but it's men dressing up as okay. Vikings mm-hmm. and we have a big galley ship and and it's fabulous it's one of the best festivals you will ever go to but it is complete and utter confection you yeah. know it is made up of this little bit of ancient history and this bit of victorian dress up and yeah you know so there's that element of it and i think we have to we have to understand that what i would say my real interest was um in 2018 i kind of Went in the steps of a man called Arne Björndal, who's the big name over here, the Mm. collector. And um, he did a lot of transcriptions of Hardanger fiddle music in the early 20th century. And he came to Shetland in 1949 Hmm. to find the old music. Um, And he spent a week there with lots of Shetland players and things. And the newspapers in Norway thought the big banner headlines are... Bjornal Dahl finds old Norwegian music in Shetland. If you actually read the project, he didn't quite find that. No. You know, he was very realistic in that he could hear the echoes. You know, we are the same people. Of course we are, you know, but it's not, you know, we are also different. Yeah. And that's okay.
1: I think I I think it's just uh, I mean, this is a huge part of Katrina's PhD. So she's uh, really an expert on this field, Mm. which is really interesting uh, research that she's doing. But uh, it is I think it's as simple as we are by the ocean. Yeah. Mm. And the boats have been going in and so out uh, from Shetland and from West Coast of Norway. And of course, there were music and uh, the people met. And through the war, it was a really strong connection yeah. between the countries. Uh, so there is a, a, a huge love uh, through that uh, war history. Mm-hmm. And uh, but, uh, so it's just people have met. Mm. Uh, over the over the ocean, and uh, and uh, of course they are just influenced by each other. So, uh, and uh, when you have the when you have the, the coast in Norway, the, the huge coast um, uh, over to uh, to Europe, uh, the influence can come both that way, and it could, it could come from the whole uh, uh, the whole globe, of course. You know, and people have been moving. That mm. is a tradition yeah. all over the world. Mm. So uh, nobody owns any music. No.
2: But what I would say about the North Isles, which is Orkney and Shetland, which were obviously the the places that belonged to Scandinavia in the 1400s and earlier. I mean, there is this... We have a heart that is connected, you know. I mean, whether it's actual nowadays and things like that, but there is just this... Um, we don't have that with mainland Scotland. You know, no. this is the thing. When you look at it from the perspective of the North Atlantic, you know, there are people in Scotland that have no idea where Shetland is. There are people in London that you have to describe where Shetland is. Really. I have never had to do that to a Norwegian, ever.
0: No. <laughs>
2: Norwegians know where Shetland is, and I thank every single one of them for that and we want
1: you back <laughs> yes yeah. take us back anytime you want we're very happy we'll be there <laughs> no but it, there is a soul there oh a yeah. common soul and uh i think it is because of the the history that we have shared mm-hmm. uh in through challenging times okay. and uh and also the weather and the temperature and uh, the way we live and and uh, um the values, mm-hmm. I think, through the, the North mm. Sea, around the North Sea um, the, the different values that we pick are are really equal mm-hmm. Very similar,
2: in, yeah. in kind of way and life was so similar, I think yeah. you know, life in Shetland until the oil in the 1970s was I'm sure very similar to, to Norway, Yeah, you know people really living from the land and you know, the sea and the the traditions where bridal parties and you know yeah the the cultural things are the same yeah and both know.
0: countries like historically being smaller countries kind of ruled by other countries in a way like
1: mm. so it, it, all the history is is uh, just building up those common uh, meeting points mm. you know and uh, also poor countries and uh, and uh, rural areas. Mm uh and then you kind of uh connect to the music and use the music uh in in different ways mm-hmm. so uh, but there is there is a, a really common soul in in those areas which is uh, uh incredible actually mm-hmm.
0: mm. great I, have, I haven't been to yet, uh, oh, but annoying. it's definitely on my list
1: well
2: Come on. <laughs> 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 Honestly, you'd, you'd have a brilliant time if you play music yourself. It's really you yeah. know yeah, welcoming. Yeah, I,
0: was, I heard the, the May Festival is, is mm-hmm. great, Oh, fun. yeah.
2: This year, the first time in a couple of years that it's going to be live. I mean, it's such a lifeline for people in Shetland when you're living there. This is just you know, the main event, the Main island? event, mm. you know, lots and lots of amazing musicians coming into the island. People live off that for the rest of the year, yeah. you know. Yeah, so imagine. these couple of years, uh, the COVID years, it's been hard, I think, you mm. know, for musicians who are living on the island and things to kind of just keep themselves G'd up. So this year's, it's going to be the 40th year. Uh, 40th anniversary this year.
0: Oh great! Huh? Maybe I'll try. Have to. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Nice. Come, come, on, come Go. Okay. Something completely different. Like um, you both, uh, you both obviously uh, live the life with traditional music. But I know you have a background as an opera mm, singer a, as well.
2: Yeah, I had a really brief dalliance with classical music. I mean, I I'd never played classical music. Um, At all. I I knew nothing about it and I went away to to get a kind of a a beginning course on, to to be able to go to music college. And I found in one year that I had a singing classical voice and I Mm. got into the Royal College of Music in London. Brilliant. How old were you at the time? um, I was 19, I think, 18, 19. And that was the biggest shock to me. I mean, I, mean, I really that's... still now can't even believe that. <laughs> I spent five years in the best school in you know the UK hmm. um, learning to play it. And it was so funny in my last lesson, because at this point my, my fiddle career had really taken off. I'd won a BBC competition and you know I was always going to play the fiddle. I was not going to be an opera singer. And I remember going into my last lesson in the Royal College of Music, looking at the Albert Hall out the window <laughs> and my singing teacher turning around to me and went, that's the last time you're ever going to do this, isn't it? And I went. Yeah, I think it probably is. And that was it. <laughs> Apart from singing in the shower, yeah, every now and again. Oh, that's
0: really interesting.
2: Scaling my nine-year-old with my <laughs> opera voice. That's really- good.
0: <laughs> but that I feel like classical music and traditional music is kind of opposite ends when it comes to like um, learning and.
1: Uh... Well, I grew up uh, doing both. I I did uh, classical uh, training from I was six to I was eighteen. Sitting in orchestra and uh, I really appreciated uh, the technique I learned and learned to read music and mm. and uh, the fantastic classical music to be part of it and be part of like uh, operas and you know sitting in the orchestra and playing it was for me that was really huge, but it, you come to a point where the technique, as you say, is really different and and. Uh, I couldn't step. I, I remember the conductor was just like you he was stopping the whole audience. Oh, yeah, like, don't step. Tapping And um and also, you know, the the ornaments and the vibrato mm-hmm. and kind of this main kind of colouring uh tools for the music. Um Were and you also, just trilling all over Mozart oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um but I love the music. I remember I love the music and mm. also of course to learn that uh that kind of uh, all about the world and the technique in, in the classical scene. But uh, uh, when I came to... I think it was around 18 years, um, I felt them too different, so I had to choose. Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, then you really want to dive deeper into the music, and you have the age with you and the years of playing and stuff. Mm. So then I... Um, I really took that choice of just leaving the classical and, and go uh, only with folk music. Yeah. But um, uh, today I'm happy I had that period. You mm. know? Well, it does
2: open up the whole kind of um, the notated side of music. You know, I mean, I I was Tom Anderson and he was amazing. He was like a really old guy, mm. but he was just you must learn to read and you must learn to be able to t- play tunes by ear, and that was the biggest gift. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, of course, if I'd only ever, ever learned by ear, you would be able to play perfectly well. A lot of people do. But having that kind of idea of not being scared of the the music, you know, and not having that barrier there as a traditional musician. Mm. You know, I've heard a lot of traditional musicians that are like, oh, you know, they get scared every time somebody kind of comes near a note. or sure. And you just think it's just a, it's a way to open it's a key to lock more music, you know, more
1: great music. So, and
0: especially like being a professional music musician, it's really handy to be able to. Oh, to yeah, learn tunes quickly and for projects and, yeah, and stuff like but that. But
1: also, the I mean, to learning by ear is maybe the the main method yeah. of all genres mm-hmm. To to sit by a master and to meet the person is uh, you you will never learn about that in the academia. So it's it's really important to to keep on that method and, and uh, folk music uh, uh, studies around and also the, the different styles use that as a method mm. to to get closer mm-hmm. to the, the soul of the music. So, uh, so I think it's... Um, but it's also uh, a tool in to understand the history of, of uh, the connection between the genres because uh, we all know that the, the big classical composers mm. were... Inspired by really? folk music, mm-hmm. yeah. all, all over the world, and uh, and uh, uh, was collecting music and, and used them in their mm-hmm. uh, big symphonies. So, so it's it is connected, and I think who is kind of making these boxes? I mean, I don't think we need to do that just to to see it as intertwined, you know, uh, with different dialects. Mm. You know? But but it's for sure intertwined, you know, just with different cultures. Mm-hmm uh inspired by each other and and i think that's the main thing also um uh, as a composer that Mm -hmm. we both are uh, and um, to be focused and and open about where do your inspiration come from because everything you write or kind of make in uh, of music is coming from somewhere Mm -hmm. sure you know and that could be different styles of music it can be different it could be a painting it could be a person you met But you're always inspired by something when you write music.
0: Speaking about um, inspiration, um, is there anything specific that inspires um, music making for you guys outside music?
1: Yeah, uh, I I think everything is inspiring me. Uh, As long as it's something that connects, that I connect to. Uh, Very often emotionally, Mm. either people or uh, very often art, very often nature uh historical stories Mm. Uh, and uh, i think it's very hard to find something with emotions in it that is not kind of part of the inspiration uh either really uh clearly or unconsciously yeah Uh, but we are taking in uh, a lot of good stuff and a lot of bad stuff through the war now it's really hard because you get so emotionally involved and you cannot do anything. That can make music, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and uh, so everything, I think everything that connects to uh, is part of your inspiration when you, when you write music. Yeah
0: you like uh, seek out inspiration sometime or is it just
1: uh, I'm I'm uh, then it has to if it's like a concept album and uh, or a commission piece mm. uh, commission work it could be connected to uh, either a festival or a theme of festival or uh, a theme or something mm. and then you have your research and uh, like I did a commission piece for the Fashion, uh North Sea festival mm-hmm and then uh, the festival is connected to the North Sea and uh, and the story and uh, around it the people and uh, and that is on the festival uh, is very often from the the countries around the North Sea. So that's one example mm-hmm. of. Of uh, my research was then to talk to old sailors and uh, yeah. read about the story. Immersed uh, yourself in that mm-hmm. world. Yeah. yeah, to kind of tune into that world and 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 kind of resonate to the idea of the festival and and who is there and why? Why is this a kind of a defined uh, idea? Mm. Is there really, mm-hmm. as, as you say, Katrina, uh, a connection, a special connection mm-hmm. around that area, and why? And and where are the emotions, where are the stories, mm-hmm, you know? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of the tunes we are going to play is about Betty Moed, which was um, a Shetlander. Uh, you can tell the story, you know. Yeah, so Betty was basically just
2: a really normal old lady, very elderly lady who went from her house in the south of Shetland, mainland of Shetland. She was taking a boat up to Lerwick to sell her knitting, Okay. And um, basically, there was a big storm that came up, and the captain and his and the crew, crew basically, were kind of uh, went overboard. Yeah, yeah. And so she was left on this boat, basically drifting towards Norway. And she eventually, um, I don't know how long it was. It was one week, and she
1: she was there by herself uh, uh, in the in the bottom of the boat, and it was really rough weather. So one week, uh, just with some biscuits and some milk, and she drifted into into Lapseria, which outside I <laughs> all of somewhere I come from, alive. Really, mm-hmm. really, really exhausted, of course, yeah. but she was alive and she was uh, taken care of by the the locals there and stayed there until her health became better, and then she was. Um, Uh, then she was able to go home to Shetland. She went home to Shetland, but meantime, she had
2: become basically a celebrity in Scotland she had in Shetland everybody knew her story but in Scotland she couldn't go anywhere everybody wanted Betty Moat, this old <laughs> oh, yeah. lady from Shetland to come <laughs> you know because of this incredible story that was huh. there but I'd never heard that story when I was growing up mm, that was you one that of took, took gave me the, the include, and then I read about it and I've read in the the newspapers of the time since then um, but that just shows you how in, even in our islands, that lady's life has been forgotten in many ways. Mm. So that was a classic case of somebody, you know, finding that joy and and kind of motion in that story and really elevating her. So now Betty Mote is back. Yeah, and mm, she so really got a song, fantastic.
1: you know, a, a tune. It's really good. So that's an example of that. And that was a story that was given to me through that research yeah. when I yeah. was talking to the sailors. Yeah, that's great. So uh, so that's uh, an example of how it works. Yeah. Mm. But I think, like, um, I think we are more or less uh, inspired by the things we are emotionally connected to. Yeah.
2: yeah. And I mean, what I would add to that is in the last couple of years, I mean... Um, Just being at home, I mean, I know this is. there's a very big spectrum of people who had to stop. They couldn't find their creative place. You know, it was too painful for them. I found it the complete opposite. I mean, I ended up being very prolific in the two years because, well, you had time there. But I was spending my time when my child had gone to bed to go into composing and to reading. And I just needed it. You know, yeah. it it became like for me a really a way of getting through it, mm. which I just couldn't imagine what it must be like if you don't have something like that. Yeah, I think you people I mean?
0: react very different. Like I was kind of like you, I think. Yeah. But many people say that they stopped. Yeah, and completely. that was great. And
2: They just couldn't do it, and I really, I mean, obviously respect that and everything, but. Um, it is interesting how that has kind of manifested and i didn't wouldn't have thought I would have been that type of person but no. when it came to the kind of shutting down of everything i had to had to play and had to make something yeah because good.
0: that's that's the keyword like the the emotion thing is so important isn't it for like basically making good music and good mm-hmm. art like you can 't really force it you have to you have to want it yeah. in, in some mm-hmm. way.
1: But in your, on the other hand, you I've, I've never been uh, a musician kind of uh, waiting for the inspiration. No. It's been hard work. Uh, and I think both me mm-hmm. and, and uh, Katrina have been hard workers because we have had such a, a few hours. We mm-hmm. have our kids and, mm-hmm. and we also have been on the road. So it's been a, a kind of few hours and then we just start at nine and we have the time until one. And mm-hmm. then... You just sit down and you work. And if you don't manage to create something, you just, you go on the next day yeah. and you work hard until it's there. It's not mm-hmm. like wait until late evening or middle of night and you're looking at the moon and yeah, wait and for it inspiration. Counts, you know? it's, not, it's not romantic like <laughs> no, that at all. No. It's really hard work. And I think it's important to put that out mm. because it is quite easy today with... I mean, you have the studio at home. You can make your own record. Uh, it goes very fast uh and uh to kind of it's important to connect to yourself again and, and 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 really as you say katrina you had the need really in healthy, that time yeah. you had the need for the music yeah mm. and then you're totally connected to the gift that we actually mm-hmm. have to to uh to uh express ourselves through mm-hmm. music and also for 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 ourselves to yeah. get the emotions out through music mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's a fantastic therapy yeah oh my goodness yeah.
0: and also to what you said earlier about like being grateful for this mm-hmm. to, like especially for me through the pandemic was it like a real uh, a good thing to have the oh. music and uh, or basically something to be passionate about yes. uh, i think is the key word mm-hmm. doesn't need to be music but no. f- for me like music is it's truly a gift
2: mm-hmm. yes it is
0: so I have tons of more questions, but uh, I'm afraid our time is <laughs> up. So I'll have to save them for the next uh, yes, interview. Definitely. But um, before we go, is, is there? Um, I, well, uh, I know we have a gig in Oslo tomorrow, but do you have any other gigs coming up? The two of you together, or with String Sisters, or is there anything like that coming up? It
1: uh, it is quite a, st- a strange time th- still because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So we've had a lot of gigs that's been cancelled. Uh, so the world is start to uh, awakening up again and uh, and uh, when it becomes more stable uh, and uh, hopefully there will be peace Uh, I think uh, there is more um, energy to plan uh, like a big meeting like that the big meetings yeah. yeah Uh, because it's so many like strings that are just a that must huge. Be a it's a <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but the will is
2: there. I mean, my goodness, you know, we have we have connected so much over the the COVID times. You know, having late nights, kind of chats together and things. We've really, really been a good kind of support group, I think, to each other yeah, as well, too. socially.
1: And then, then we are just friends. Yeah. So it's just, uh, but it, it's also, um, uh, yeah, I think that friendship. And the the people. If you don't play, uh, we still want to meet. We want, yeah. We need each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And uh, I think that's the basic of uh, of everything, really.
0: Great. It's a good note to end on. Good. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> thanks. Like, thanks for taking the time. No uh, Thank good, you. And good luck tomorrow. Oh,
1: thank thank you. you.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Folk Music Podcast. As always, you can follow the show on social media and. If you have uh, any ideas, suggestions, feedback, whatever, we're very grateful if you send them our way at thefolkmusicpodcast at gmail.com. So that's all for this week, but uh, we will be back shortly with another great episode. So stay tuned. See you later.